Kane and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, June 15th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We do not do uh, prayers or buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at our history, uh, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. Uh, and we we take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that's being heaped upon us. And we do it all right here, live from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. An hour late, but let's talk native. Uh, first, let me uh, remind people that our audio streams live at www.letstalknative.com. Uh, and we stream live video of the show on Facebook Live when they let us. 
Uh, our shows are available as podcasts on your favorite podcast platforms, and we post it up on SoundCloud as well. Uh, and we post our YouTube videos on, or po- we post the show on our YouTube as a YouTube video up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. I am the host of Let's Talk Native, and, I'm, and I am assisted by Jake Proud here in studio, who is managing our video and our sound. All right. Um, look, I, I got, I've got kind of a, a topic that I'm going to talk about later on, but first, let me explain why we're getting started at 11 o'clock i i got banned from facebook for 24 hours and and if you look on my uh, uh you know on my my page you can see see why um it uh i i had i was promoting our uh new video our youtube video we we just posted it up last night it got it up around 10 30 or so and i was sharing it on all of the group pages and apparently you can't share on pages too fast i guess and i got banned for using the um uh the function on facebook that allows you to just click down the line all the uh, all the group pages that you're sharing to so i got punished for sharing too fast is what they said um i you know again i wasn't posting something inappropriate i guess some people may not like the video but uh i didn't post anything inappropriate or offensive i was basically locked up for 24 hours because i shared the um our rbg on the dod our ruth bader ginsburg on the doctrine of discovery youtube or a video youtube video um too quickly on facebook and so uh, my sentence was up at ten thirty-seven, so I couldn't uh, start my show on time. So, uh, so that's why we're here. Now, I gotta tell you, I <laughs> I asked my wife to post a uh, an explanation, and and then you guys picked on me. You made it sound like I was too wimpy. I only got punished for twenty-four hours. I mean, and it's like I, like I said, I, I got no street cred for getting getting locked up for twenty-four hours. I I'm, I feel totally disrespected. So. Uh, I'll, I'll probably get over it, but uh, um, I know who you are. So <laughs> anyway, all right. So um, first off, let me tell you, you should check out our new our new video. It's not very long, but I think it, it gets all the data points in there. And we're trying to improve the product. Look, at, we're we're still not where we want to be with uh, with these YouTube videos and producing the, the you know the short form videos that we're trying to do is something that we're we're continue to work on. We're we're, we're changing our setup and our apparatus our backdrops all that stuff um and we're getting there and but this is a step in the right direction it uh it i think this video will um will get a fair amount of views and i'm counting on you to share this video this explains the hypocrisy of somebody like ruth bader ginsburg citing the doctrine of christian discovery and of course the the big thing is that that she's wrong not just because i don't agree with the doctrine of discovery but if you look at it from a legal standpoint and precedence and all that other stuff, her ruling in the Oneida, the city of Oneida, city of Cheryl versus Oneida is wrong. And, and I kind of go through that in the video. So it's not a long video. You don't invest a, a, a significant amount of time. Uh, it, it, I think it does demonstrate that we are, you know, playing with the, with production a little bit, getting some different camera angles and some different looks to the whole thing. Um, but you know, check it out. And, and, and I wish and I hope that when you see this video and you realize that I've, I've, I'm putting, the doctrine of discovery, the relevance that it means to us today in context, in contemporary context, and in in a way that is um, understandable. And I'm, you know, look, I'm not trying to be condescending here, but most of this crap that you hear uh, on on legal issues, it's it's hard to stay awake, you know, listening to this stuff. But again, give this uh, this video its due. 
um, share it to you, th- share it to people you you think would understand it and and appreciate understanding why we bring up something as old as 15th century church dogma, why it's relevant today, and and this liberal hero on the Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, easily demonstrates one of my favorite uh, you know memes is that racism is not a right thing; it's a white thing. And so anyway, check out the video. It's it's on YouTube. I I, I shared it about 119 times, which is apparently too many times to do it in a short window. And uh, and that's why I had to wait to till 1037 before I could finally uh, post anything. And, and man, there were a few things that I wanted to comment on. Uh, and I, now I got to make up for it. Um, again, not having DTs for being off Facebook for 24 hours or anything, but uh, uh, it certainly had disrupted, you know, kind of our our, our show schedule. I originally had planned having uh, Michelle Elise Burnett joining me tonight to talk about uh, an event that's happening up at Art Park in uh, in Lewiston, which is the Strawberry Moon Festival. And uh, let me see if I can pull some of that information up. Um, it's uh, uh, it it is. I think it's the first time that that Art Park is really dedicating this kind of um, uh, uh, day of entertainment, I guess, or evening of entertainment. And let's see, what do we got here? We've got the Sam Roberts Band. We've got Thunderhand Joe and the Medicine Show, Alan Doyle, and A Tribe Called Red. I mean, these are, look, these uh, Tribe Called Red's big time, folks. Um, uh, we played some of the music. In fact, maybe that's what we do when we go to the break. I, you asked me what to start the show with. We should have started with A Tribe Called Red. Now, uh, Michelle, who's one of the organizers on this thing, was supposed to join me tonight, but because it was getting so late, um, I told her I promote this thing. She's going to join me on uh, on Tuesday on Tuesday's show. Uh, look, we're going to give some tickets away for this thing too. So um, uh, look, you, you look up look up Art Park and uh, and the Strawberry Moon Festival. If you want more information, I did post a uh, a flyer on my on my pages. But uh, but check this out. This this should be a pretty good evening. It's uh, again, it's from three p.m. to eleven p.m. at Art Park Amphitheater in Lewiston, and that's uh, that's June. 22nd i guess i should tell you the date june 22nd so that's next week um look if you can get a chance get it up there um a, a tribe called red is somebody that has really make made a statement in bringing a real contemporary uh sound well and look their performances you know are very uh uh you know techno i guess you could say and um they should put on i'm i'm sure they're gonna put on a great show at our park so that that is worth worth going to see so so check them out. Uh, I will have uh, Michelle joining me on Tuesday, and we're going to give some tickets away. I might do it through Facebook, even though I'm a little sorry. Facebook, I'm pissed at you, but uh, I may do it through Facebook, um, and uh, and and do it through our show next Tuesday because the again the following Saturday is when uh, when this event is. So um, this is what you know being locked out of Facebook for 24 hours. I know somebody's yeah well. 24 hours that's a slap on a wrist thanks robert for that uh um <laughs> and others for calling me a lightweight for only getting uh a, a minimal sentence i mean i feel like i just stole candy and got caught or something here but uh, anyway uh you know if, if, here's what i gotta say about this thing i see people post all the time about being put in facebook jail and they say oh because i said something that was controversial i say something that's controversial every single show i think and i'm thinking I don't know why these people are all getting locked out of Facebook. I've never been locked out of Facebook. And now I get locked out for this. I mean, 24 hours for, for literally, and, and you can see it. I got the, the screenshot posted up on my, uh, on, on the page here. Um, literally, I got locked out of Facebook for 24 hours for, for posting, for sharing a post too fast. 
who knew that was a thing but uh anyway there you go um all right now let me kind of explain uh, a little bit of the Cayuga situation for those of you who have some nominal um information or perhaps you have heard one side or or, or another on on the situation I'm going to try to wrap this up and, and try to explain. And this is my understanding. And, and I've talked to people on, on various sides of, uh, of the Cayuga battle. And this is, this is the battle over the Cayugas reestablishing themselves in their homeland in central New York, in, in both Cayuga and Seneca counties, actually on either side of, uh, of, of I think it's Cayuga Lake. Um, and, and look, there was a time that a whole bunch of us went out there to defend them because the white people were out there trying to do this big blockade and, 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 and look, some, I got an early picture on Facebook of me standing with people from all over Mohawk territories, all over people from all over who came out to to stand up for the Cayugas asserting themselves at their at their uh, their main store. Uh, frankly, right, right next to Delago Casino, really just down uh, down the street from there. Um, but in the last five years, there has been infighting amongst the groups and and some of this infighting has resulted in in a challenge over who is the legal and and again it pains me to say it but who is the legal or the legitimate leader ruler or person of authority over the Cayuga nation and this never goes well and so i i want to kind of put some of that out there so people understand and 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 I gotta say, there, there's a reason I haven't told this story before, because it's ugly. It's everybody has screwed up on this thing. Associated, all sides of this thing um, have some blame. Um, some perhaps more than others. There has been outside influence, uh, you know, especially coming from Onondaga, which has been their thing. They screwed up, made a mess in Oneida. They 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 play a dominant role in every place from Tuscarora to Tonawanda, oftentimes. Uh, and they and they do it with their lawyer, Joe Heath. And and Joe Heath plugged himself into this mess in a way. That really only made matters worse, and 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 frankly, I'll, and I'll get into that a little bit. But part of the reason I'm doing this now is because things are coming to a head. There's there's a the real possibility that people are going to be physically and forcefully forcibly removed from homes that they've been residing in for a number of years, and this is going to include some children. And many of them are Cayugas. Some of them are just native uh, other native people from other territories who. Who are either in a relationship with a Cayuga, you know, so maybe it's a it's a it's a husband or a wife or partner of some sort. Uh, uh, some of them are employees that have been there for a while, but there's probably about fifty people who stand to be evicted and and forcibly removed from some of these properties because of the Bureau of Indian Affairs bestowing power on uh, on uh, out of this beauty contest for BIA recognition. But part of the reason I that I'm even even discussing it now is because I was just there the other day, and let me let me explain how I managed to be in Cayuga territory. There, I do a show in New York, so I, I did my show in in New York City on Thursday. Actually, I did a, I went down a day early. I went down to Long Island on uh, on Wednesday, and we screened uh, Drunk Town's Finest, the, the video by or the the movie by Sydney Freeland. 
um, at the Cinema Arts Center in Huntington, uh, New York. And so we did that Wednesday night. had uh, had some good friends like my my old friend uh, Julie Belafonte, who uh, who came out and uh, viewed the the film with us, and uh, you know had a good time. We did my show on Thursday, and uh, then started to make my way back to. Uh, I take a bus to get home. Otherwise, I got to stay another night and and not come home till till Friday because the next train. I, I take a train down and I take a bus back. That's usually what I do. So I'm sitting in the bus station getting ready to go down, and, and one of my friends from from Cayuga who are among those on the, the list to be evicted, asked me if I'd stop by on my way back from the city. Now, I'm not even taking a bus out of the city till till 9.30, which means I'm not going to be going by the area of uh, the Cayuga area till you know, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And, and I said, well, I'm I'm not driving. I'm I'm on a bus. He says, "Well, I'll jump off the bus station at such and such." And as well, it, the bus doesn't make stops, you know, right there in in your neck of the woods. The closest place they stop is Syracuse. And so, um, I was offered to be picked up in Syracuse. So I said, "All right, you know, all right." It's it's, it's got to be two o'clock in the morning. So two o'clock in the morning, the bus rolls into the Syracuse bus station, and uh, and and I'm greeted uh, with somebody who I honestly think is just going to pick me up and. Uh, and drive me out to Cattaraugus to my home, but wants to take the opportunity to explain what the current situation is. Well, that wasn't exactly the, what what, uh, what he had in mind. So I ended up going three o'clock in the morning. We pull into uh, to Cayuga territory, and you know, and I kind of see I haven't been out there in a while, so didn't get a chance to talk to a whole lot of people. But got out there and understanding the situation. And here's the situation: um, the the federally recognized leader of the Cayugas, Clint Halftown, has now. Uh, posted and issued eviction notices for um, about 10 residences. And, and that re- represents probably about 50 people altogether. Um, the homes that they're, they're living in that, that, that Clint, who is the federally recognized leader, as far as the Bureau of Indian Affairs is concerned. I mean, I get that. Even on the eviction notice, it says Cayuga Nation federal representative. I, I don't even know what that means, but anyway, that's, that's how, it, how, how it was signed. So let me go back in time and and explain what the situation is with Cuga. Now the Cugas had basically um, lost uh, their occupancy of their lands in Central New York in the areas that, that that they're now asserting some presence. They had all left for a variety of reasons. Most of it is because white people bought out parcels and stuff like that. And so the and the Cugas had land claims, and actually they had. Um, they they won their land claim and and all but but never got paid anything. They they never got anything out of the, out of the whole thing. It, it 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 kind of it's almost like too much time elapsed or some ridiculous thing like that. So, but the Cuga Nation still always existed. But most of them, most of the Cugas lived out in Tonawanda or Cattaraugus or Allegheny or you know a few in Onondaga and you know even a few up in Mohawk territory. So the 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 Cugas the were kind of dispersed amongst the other territories, and, and this includes you know places like uh, uh, Oswego or Six Nations out uh, you know uh, you know on the other side of the imaginary line. So this is where the Cugas have have been. Now, uh, Deuce Isaacs uh, was one of the the um, the old guys, I would say that that were represented who, who sat at it is one of the title holders for Cuga for all the years that I was attending grand council Ducey was one of the guys that was uh you know he was there representing the Cuga nation now at some point Clint Halftown was was added to 
uh, to sit with, with Deuce Isaacs. And, and, and again, don't understand exactly how, what process they're using, but I am sure, like most of what exists with, throughout the Haudenosaunee, there wasn't, it, it wasn't done properly. And, and I'm going to say this. I'm sure it wasn't, you know, the, the clan meeting, pulling all of the people from, you know, uh, a member of, of, I don't even remember what clan, uh, clan Halfdown represents, but, uh, pulling them all together and going through the right process and then having them condoled as a chief, as people say. But regardless, so at some point it was Deuce Isaacs and Clint Halftown that were, um, as far as Onondaga was concerned and the, the so-called Haudenosaunee was concerned, those were the two individuals at some point. And it wasn't always, you know, uh, I'm sorry for off the top of my head, I can't remember who Deuce used to sit with, but um, they certainly didn't have a full council. And I don't know, I, I, honestly, as I sit here, I'm not sure if it's five or seven clans that uh, are titles that the, the Cuga represents. So I apologize for not having that off the top of my head. But I know they didn't have a full council. But at some point, it was Deuce Isaacs and Clint Halftown who Onondaga recognized as the as the people sitting in those title positions, uh, um, for or sitting there representing Grand Council, representing the Cayugas at Grand Council. But then uh, Deuce passed away, and so Clint Halftown was last man last man standing. Now there was talk about others that were uh, that were being you know uh, joining Clint, but but as far as the official word, and as far as what the Bureau of Indian Affairs understood, Clint Halftown was the was the last man standing. Clint Halftown was the the BIA recognized representative because they won't say leader or ruler, but they'll say representative of the Cuga Nation. But but in that means that they have that he now possess he now possessed the full authority that the Bureau of Indian Affairs represents. As far as any outside authority was concerned, I mean, if the, if the police want to know, well, who's the guy in charge, and they asked the Bureau of Indian Affairs, it was always going to be Clint Halfdown. At some point, Clint's relationship with Onondaga um, waned, to say the least, and part of it had to do with, with you know, with um, the Cayugas began to assert themselves back in their homeland, and they and they kind of did it. And they weren't asking on a dog or a grand council or the or the six nations the Haudenosaunee permission. They started acquiring uh, acquiring lands um, on either side of the uh, of uh, Cuga Lake out there in in central New York in Cuga in Cuga territory. And they were were fighting the counties and stuff like that. And even the Interior Department was was telling the Cugas or telling the counties, look, we've never not considered that land part of the Cuga reservation. Even if there's white people who are occupying it now, we've there's never been either an act of Congress or any action by the Interior Department that ceased to recognize that the Cugas that there was a boundary for the Cuga Reservation, and it was within those within that area that the Cugas began acquiring land, and 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 they uh, look they started doing some things that and they're really doing some things right they were they were farming they were producing produce they were distributing food they opened up a a, a store a, a, a gas station see uh, you know see store i mean they did a did a variety of things they had revenue flowing now I, I don't know anything about any cash for for land claims but they also started doing things like um um applying for you know hud money and and you know monies from the uh you know, from the federal government as a federally recognized tribe. Um, and, you know, and at some point that, you know, there were some questions you know, that, that came into that and, and, and that caused a little bit of infighting. So 
even though the Cougars were 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 really on their way to doing a good thing, and they were, you know, frankly, they were they were kind of unified in spite of the fact that you had at some level um, on a dog of backing, you know, some of this in the, at the first place, and then the tension started going. One of the things that that caused that tension. What goes back to when Onondaga got had plugged itself into the Oneida situation and, and totally messed up the Oneida nation, as far as I'm concerned. See, what Clint started to do was realizing that you know having recognition from Grand Council wasn't going to help the Cayuga Nation advance what they wanted to do. And when he started try, wanted to do a you know a, get the Cayuga Nation in business, he didn't look to Onondaga; he looked to Oneida. So he looked at Ray Halbritter and some of Halbritter's people and then began, you know, being supplied and, uh, and, and had a closer relationship, started using some of Halbritter's lawyers and some of, uh, you know, uh, some of Halbritter's resources. In fact, one of, you know, one of Clint's main guys when it comes to business is, is an Oneida by the name of Dick Lynch, who was, uh, who headed up a lot of the enterprise for the Oneida nation. And that put him at odds with the, with the leadership at Onondaga. Now, let me just say right now, there was never a grand council where other nations came together and, and um, to, you know, to, to scold or or censure or do censure Clint or anything else. But but Onondaga, as far as they were concerned, they had enough of him. So Onondaga began to try to promote other people as the leader of the uh, leaders of the of the the Cuga Nation. So at some point. Even as so, there's that happening kind of in the sides and the sidelines. And what's happening in Cayuga territory is some tension. Some people are getting fired, and uh, you know, by 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 Clint and 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 his uh, posse, if you will. And the tension starts, and, and a standoff happens. And next thing you know, you've got some that support him and some that don't support him. And then this is where Onondaga's uh, involvement in trying to um, uh, unseat Clint as the federally recognized leader and promoting what they're calling a chief's council, which was a debacle all by itself. So you have Joe Heath now trying to create a battle for uh, for, <laughs> for BIA recognition uh, in the Cayuga mess. So you got Clint Halfdown, who has been the established, rightfully or wrongfully, has been established as the recognized, the BIA recognized representative of the Cayugas. And now you've got Joe Heath and uh, and the Onondagas promoting uh, Sam George and uh, Carl Hill and, and, and Chuck Jacobs and a few others as the, as the, the legitimate Grand Council recognized council for... Um, for uh, for the Cayugas. And of course, while this is all going on, you still have Cayugas and Six Nations that are also, in, in, a, in a fringe way, I guess, still somehow uh, in the mix. But So while this battle is going on, uh, a couple of the guys, uh, Carl Hill and uh, and Sam, Sam George and, and a few others that are part of this, this council, they wrestle control of one of the stores uh away from clint halftown because there's, there's one store on one side of the cuga lake and there's one store on the other clint's still running one and and these guys are running the other now the big question is well who is who and who's legitimate right well that's kind of up in the air because the bureau of Indian affairs is trying to weigh this thing out so in the meantime you've got carl hill and sam george that are that are, are in control uh from what i understand carl hill actually establishes a corporation called the 
the Cayuga Enterprise Corp or something like that. And next thing you know, these guys are buying houses and 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 doing very well for them. Not right within that area, but in, in other places like Waterloo and and these are houses that they're paying taxes on. They're not they're they're not being asserted as as you know part of the Cayuga reservation necessarily. These are homes that they are personally owning. Now this isn't they're not addressing income tax issues or you know again property tax issues they're just buying stuff and you know doing renovations spending you know two three four hundred thousand dollars on uh, you know on on their residences and so this is the first real separation of monies i would say from under clint halftown's control but then they get pushed out, and and another group goes in there and runs the stores for a while, and they line their pockets to, to a certain extent. And then another group goes in there, and not only lines their pockets to a to a certain extent, but they they actually screw a couple of vendors, including one of our vendors here in Cattaraugus. And uh, and then when somebody finally takes it over and, and and starts trying to clean it up, and it still isn't Clint Halftown's group, mind you, and they're being approached by vendors and say, well, look, you're going to have to take it up with him. He ran off with a bunch of money. He's the guy who owes you. So, so this is the, the mess. And this is why I haven't talked about this on the show. So this is how ugly it, it, it had gotten. But in, but even for all of this, you know, this terrible infighting that, that I hate even talking about on the radio, but I'm doing it anyway because it's coming to a head. Look, they, they, they built, um, they built a longhouse, although they can't call it a longhouse because Joe, Joe Heath told them that uh, that Sid Hill won't recognize their longhouse. It, so they can call it. They, they said they built it as a schoolhouse. It's a freaking longhouse. I mean, it's it's got the benches all around. It looks like what anybody else thinks of as a longhouse, but they can't call it a longhouse because, according to Joe Heath, Sid Hill, the the Taradaho, won't approve Cayuga's or sanction, or whatever you want to call it, uh, approve Cuba's longhouse. But they built one. And, you know, and they're teaching language. Look, they, they, they continue to do agriculture projects. They, they're raising meat, and they're, they're raising, raising produce. And, of course, they're still generating revenue. And this is the group that's still not accepting Clint Halftown. And they're kind of aligned with, because they're asking permission, or they're kind of aligned with what I call the Joe Heath, the Heath Chiefs, if you will. So this is kind of where things have been for a couple of years. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what, we're at the bottom of the hour. So I'm going to take a break here. We're, we'll play a little of Tribe Called Red. When I come back, I'll, I'll kind of bring it to where we're at now. But, uh, let's, uh, we'll squat with a little bit of Tribe Called Red. These guys are, remember are going to play at the, the Strawberry, uh, Moon Festival, um, Saturday, June 22nd, uh, at Art Park in Lewiston. And, uh, these are, these guys are the headliners. So we'll, we'll go out with them and we'll come back and I'll get back on the story. Hot hors d'oeuvres. My 
My people will have pain and degradation. Your people will have stickships. The gods of my tribe have spoken. They have said, do not trust the pilgrims. And for all these reasons, I have decided to stop you and burn your village to the ground. By the film industry, excuse me, and on television, in movie reruns, and also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. We're taking the land which is rightfully ours. Years from now, my people will be forced to live in mobile homes and reservations. Your people will wear cardigans and drink highballs. We will sell our bracelets by the roadsides. You will play golf and enjoy hot hors d'oeuvres. My people will have pain and degradation. Your people will have stitches. The gods of my tribe have spoken. They have said, do not trust the pilgrims. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. And I want to thank our sponsors, Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses, uh, Eric White in ERW Enterprises, uh, a few people who kind of remain anonymous that support the show. And, and I want to encourage those of you, some of you who used to send uh, some contributions and from time to time that, uh, you know, frankly, haven't seen you in a while. Uh, we, look, we're, we're trying to upgrade our, our equipment and, uh, you know, improve our product here. And we can only do that when we have support. So uh, I appreciate those of you who uh, who do you know who frankly contribute on a regular basis, and even those those of you who from time to time uh, drop some support by it, it certainly helps us do what we do here. Um, and and I got to tell you, we are in our our are entering our tenth year just about now. So we've been doing this for a while, and and it's not an easy thing to do because look, we're not we're not celebrities here. This, I mean, I'm not a celebrity. I don't have I don't have ten thousand views for our videos or. Um, or listeners or anything else 
we have a relatively you know short reach you know it, we aren't a viral sensation or internet sensation by any means but we are trying to have the conversations that frankly some of you may take offense to but there are conversations that need to be had because we have some very confused individuals that, uh, you know as i've been talking about and we'll continue to talk about but i do you know, I do need you. I do need you to, to participate. I look for your comments on Facebook. I look for your comments on our YouTube videos. Um, and I and look, I look for you to participate in the show um, as as much as as much as you can. And that's why, even in New York, I do a, I do a call in show. I do a talkback show uh, on WBAI in New York City. So, um, but and I'm also grateful for the, for those of you who do, and I wish more of you would who share the show. You you share our YouTube videos. You share. Um, our, our Facebook live stream, uh, you share our podcast. Uh, I appreciate and, and, and I want to acknowledge all of you who allow us to use your group pages to post our video. Even though I haven't been able to do much for 24 hours, you, you, you pretty much let me, uh, let me, let me or my wife or others post, uh, this show and, and some of our, you know, perhaps our memes or our YouTube videos on your, on your pages and we greatly appreciate it. Uh, if we didn't have your support, we couldn't do what we do. Um, so. I want to say that. Look, during the break, that was a, a tribe called Red we were playing. They will be the headliner for the event uh, up at uh, Art Park in, in Lewiston, and that's the Strawberry Moon Festival. I, I believe this is the first one, but uh, I think there's a good chance that this could become an, an annual event uh, up there at Art Park. And if I'm wrong, then forgive me. Uh, uh, but but I'm promoting this one. This is this is the first one that I'm uh, uh, you know kind of attaching myself to, and we're gonna we're gonna give away some tickets and that kind of stuff as we go through next week uh, in the run up to to this event. Um, again, uh, Michelle Elise Burnett's gonna join uh, join me on the show on Tuesday to talk a little bit more about it. And um, but again, uh, look forward to this event. It's next week up uh, up in Lewiston at the uh, Art Park Amphitheater. All right, let me get back to it. Look, I, I, you know, a couple of comments came through. No, it is a mess in Cayuga, and 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 so uh, this is where the, the, you know, where this thing went. This battle uh, that er, that two sides essentially got into, vying for the Bureau of Indian Affairs to make the determination on who is the rightful leader. Now, as bizarre as it sounds, that Onondaga would play this game. They did, and they did through did so through their lawyer Joe Heath, and and I look, I even saw some of the documents that came from Joe Heath, the ones that told you know that were, were Joe Heath would actually told the folks who were running the store, and this is their their what they call their trading post uh, um, uh, in uh, I think it was in I I can't remember which county is which, but it was uh, anyway one of the store the stores that the group that wasn't Clint Halftown were running, he said. He was trying to convince them they needed to give control of the store and all of the finances to the chiefs in order for them to make their solid uh, case for federal recognition. So this turned into a battle over money, over resources, over the golden goose that their their store. And it is a very successful store. Even for the short time that I was out there, there were cars lined up. It's right near a state park. There, you know, so they're they're selling you know uh, discount fuel. They're selling discount cigarettes. They, you know, it's it's a it's a pretty nice store. You know, by most standards, but even by most of the standards out here, it, it's a very nice store. It's very well run, um, and they do a hell of a business. They do enough of a business that there's been at least three, not counting the ones who are running the store right now. There have been three occasions where it, where people have have gone in 
to take control of the store simply to line their pockets. And that includes some of the guys that, that, that Joe Heath is, uh, is supporting as these, uh, as these chiefs. Now, because they wouldn't do that, there, there's almost a separation between the, the people who are actually currently residing in this area around this one store and, uh, and the Joe Heath group. Although I will say, <laughs> Sam George, one of the Heath chiefs, is still on the payroll. I saw him go there to pick up his check when I was there on Friday. So, so these guys are still paying one of these chiefs. And I says, well, what does he do while well, he shows up? So, I mean, that's how crazy this, this whole thing. So in the midst of this battle, in spite of, you know, Joe Heath promoting himself as the, you know, the lawyer for the Confederacy and the lawyer who, who you know, who's done all these great things for, uh, for Native people, he lost the beauty contest that he had entered his, uh, his candidates into for the, for the BIA recognition. Clint Halftown was um, affirmed, reaffirmed, confirmed, and, uh, and, and, and it was an appeal, and he, he won the appeal. Clint Halftown won the beauty contest. So he is the federally recognized leader, representative, whatever you want to call it, but it comes down to the to having authority of the Cayuga Nation of New York. And so that's settled. So in the meantime, so now you've got Clint with all of the um the authority that the Bureau of Indian Affairs can bestow on an individual, um ready to take back everything he can take back. So and you know, and I gotta tell you. While this battle was going on, we each side in this thing has hired men, native men, non-native men to to stand up as uh, you know as the thugs to defend their you know their position on these things. So they've they've had hired guys, some guys from Aquasasne, from Cataraugus, and different places hired you know paying people fifteen dollars an hour or so to go there and just be their uh, you know, their muscle. Clint did it. Uh, you know, Joe Heath's, Heath's Chiefs did it. The folks who are running the store now are, are, are still doing it to some extent. So it has been this debacle where people have, I mean, you know, have been hired to go there to be the muscle representing one side. And that's how ugly this thing has gotten. In the meantime, the white people, they don't know what the hell to think. I mean, you've got, you know, county officials and state officials and you've got, uh, you know, police forces and, you know, in the meantime, you, you still got the counties that are saying, wait a minute, you can't take this, take this land back. And, and, you know, you've got the, even the interior department standing with the Cayugas as the Cayuga nation saying, yeah, that's still their land. So, I mean, it, it is, it is a mess and there's no other way to describe it. And part of that mess is clearly the fault of the bad advice coming from Onondaga. Because, look, there could have been grand councils. I, I said this about the Oneida mess. I st- I'll maintain today the reason that I went to prison for two years was not just because of the, the bad leadership at Oneida. It was because grand council, the powers that be in Onondaga, refused to hold a grand council. We used to joke about it. We used to say there's a jar that sits in Onondaga filled with wampums requesting grand council. And you know what? There's still wampums being sent to Onondaga requesting grand council to resolve things. This, the mess in Oneida caused a complete disruption. The Oneida chiefs stopped going to grand council. It put the, you know, the folks in, uh, in Tonawanda in a peculiar situation who tried to maintain a relationship with the Oneida chiefs at the same time trying to maintain a relationship with the, uh, with the Onondaga council. 
I mean, it 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 caused a tremendous uh, mess, and that's what's playing out now. So Joe Heath's um, legal counsel, you know, trying to get these guys federally recognized, his chiefs recognized failed. It failed miserably, and so. And in and, and, and the attempt to do it, he actually even caused a division between these chiefs that he uh, he claims to represent and the folks who neither supported Clint Halftown nor were necessarily ready to line up with the, with Joe Heath and company. So you end up with with almost three divisions there. And in, in, in the midst of all this chaos, there was even division amongst them because of the uh, the thugs that were hired by one side or another. There was everything from from shootings and drugs and all kinds of other stuff, and you know people who ran off with money and people who couldn't be you know prosecuted for all of it. And it even stretched all the way up to Six Nations with some of the guys who either claimed to be clan mothers or chiefs, and uh, uh, all the way out to there. So that's the mess. So today, Clint Halftown has the power. You know, and, and look, there may be some other guys that he lists as part of his council, but at the end of the day, just like in Oneida, Oneida, it's Ray Halbritter. In for Cayuga, it's Clint Halftown. And Clint Halftown has now gone to the to the measures of, of evicting people. Um this week will be um the ten days after these eviction notices were posted. And so we don't know what's gonna happen next week. I mean, uh I'm not even going to get into this whole idea about traditionalists or innocent people. I don't know who is actually 100% innocent, and I damn sure know that none of the people involved in this mess have asserted themselves in the right place to call themselves traditional. You know, whatever that's supposed to mean. But I will say, even when this debacle first began and this this division first began, I was among the people who, who met with both sides, you know, and said, look, what you guys need to do is, is agree upon process. And, look, and if you want to claim to be Haudenosaunee, if you want to be a part of, you know, uh, you know uh, claiming that, that you are you want to use the longhouse, then then understand what is the process laid out in the Guyana de Goa. And you know what? If you, If some of you don't agree with that, if you don't want to use that process, then you need then your fight isn't about leadership it's about process now i don't know what the hell clint halftown represents in terms of guyana to goa or elected or selected or dictator whatever you want to call it i i don't know i don't know what whatever joe heath was promoting was anything but that too but but what we and myself and and others folks from from aquasasne and and other places who who were were beginning the phone calls he said look you just first before you get into solving the problem, you have to understand what you have to agree with what the process is going to be. So learn how to use learn how to use our process. And maybe you guys can be the only community fully implementing the uh, the processes laid out in the Guyana de Goa. But you know what? Fell on deaf ears. At the end of the day, the what was always playing in the background was the was making the case to win BIA recognition that was more important that was more important to all the sides not and none of them were understanding that when this thing plays out you're going to have a winner and you're going to have losers which is exactly what you have now 
in a perfect world, regardless of who won, the effort would have been made to bring people together. But I got to tell you, I had conversations with some of the folks, even as it looked like, you know, Halftown's group and, and Halftown was going to win this thing. I said, okay, so you win your, your federal recognition. What are you going to do to bring the people together? I mean, how are you going to, what are you going to do to, to reconcile th- this dysfunction that exists over the years? Is, oh, we're going to go, we're going after those people. We're going to make them pay. Well, that's what, that's what's happening today. I, I would love to see the Cuba say, look, we understand there's some, been some bad things that have ta- taken place over the last five or six years, but let's move forward. Let's not throw away our people. Look, there's only about 500 Cuyugas uh, that are considered Cuyuga Nation members of, of New York. Only about 100 of them have really been involved in this debate. The vast majority of Cuyugas just have kind of sat back and said, look, I'm not getting involved in that. And even some who were have now left. You know, and so it's a relatively few numbers of Cayugas that are involved in this conflict, but it affects all of them. And, you know, so on one side of the lake, you've got a, you've got a, a very successful business that's operating as a convenience store, and I think they're even manufacturing cigarettes, and that's the Clinton Halftown, uh, you know, group or, or him and his, his employees. And I don't even know how many numbers that represents. It depends on who you ask. You know, by some some claim that the Clinton Halftown represents sixty percent of the of the Cuban nation, and really that means that he's sending checks out to sixty percent of the Cuban nation members, and they're and they're cashing it. I don't know if that really means that he has support of sixty percent of the Cuban nation members. And you know what? The folks who are there running the other store on the other side, I don't know how many people support them either. So. Their beauty contest that 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 they uh, that they participated in in front of, uh, in Washington with the Bureau of Indian Affairs didn't really take anything into consideration or any account to what the vast majority of Cayugas felt uh, you know felt about this thing. Instead, it played out to be ugly newspaper reports, you know, incident after incident, people running around. And like I said, you've got a situation now where you've got. Two of the guys who claim to be uh, chiefs, who are not federally recognized, who they these guys are, didn't get the eviction notices. Why? Because because their houses paid for from from that very store is not a part of the uh, they they bought that a different way. That's like their personal property. Now, look, I know there's people watching this show watching this show who are going to hear the show are going to be pissed that I'm putting this out there. But you know what? I've been asked time and time again over the years, why don't I do a story on the Cayugas? And I'll tell you, this is exactly why. Because I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed because this is not just a Cayuga issue. This is a Confederacy issue that the Confederacy has failed to act on. The Cayugas have uh, have, have not necessarily behaved properly. And and shame on the rest of you Cayugas, the 400 who sat back. You know, we have a, a concept in, in the Longhouses called stirring the ashes. And people have different ideas of what that means. But what stirring the ashes means is that, no, you don't get to sit on the sidelines. When we stir those ashes, we're making your embers glow because you can't hide in the ashes. You can't hide in the dust and then just weigh in, you know, after, you know, after, after the mess. And then, and then all of a sudden you're going to come out of the woodwork and, and, and look, maybe what's going to happen is a bunch of people are going to get evicted from, uh, from these homes. 
And and from what I understand, <laughs> it's not just ten eviction notices that came out against the um, the people who were vying for power against Clint Halfdown. From what I understand, the Cubans bought enough houses that they were renting a bunch of them out to white people. Now they've been evi- uh, they've been evicted too. And part of that reason is because look, they've they've made some obligations with their with their funding from the federal government. And this is the Clint Halfdown group. They've they've taken HUD um, funds and. Those HUD funds weren't to just become income properties for the Seneca Nation or for the Cuga Nation. I'm sorry. So maybe Clint Hatton's going to move out the, all the white people and move out all of the uh, the you know the undesirable Cuyugas and try to dust off some of those ones who sat in the sidelines and bring them in. But either way, this is a mess that is not going to end well. So when I was asked, what do I recommend? I said, there, there, there's no good solutions here. But what I will say, don't allow the children here to become as polarized as you are. Because the best hope for the Cayuga Nation is that the generation who doesn't know the dirt, who doesn't know who did wrong and who did what to who, that maybe those children can can forge relationships with the children of the other side or whatever else, and that... You know, and, and that may only be 10 years from now. But you know what the problem is? We as Native people, we don't think seven generations anymore. We don't even think one generation down the road. We're so busy trying to solve issues on a week-to-week basis and, and get instant gratification. We don't know the long game. And shame on us. Shame on us because we don't know the long game. So instead... We, we fight for paychecks. We fight for free houses. We, we fight for, for, for positions and we fight for power. We want to be the chief. We want to be the clan mother. We want to be the federally recognized leader. We're not content to just work as a community. We've, I've said it before on this show. We have lost our sense of community. And you know what? That's a shame. In in the period of time that this debacle's gone, there have been people arrested for drugs, for guns, for all kinds of stuff. And and look, I know those guys out in Onondaga was oh yeah, that's the warriors. You know what? And shame on some of the guys who came down from Aquasasne who got put on on payroll because I don't agree with that either. You know, our job as another nation. You know whether it's you know regardless of what it, whether it was Onondaga or whether it was Mohawk or or any other, and I'm not talking about Grand Cal. I'm just talking about if if another nation wanted to help, then what they should have done was try to bring the sides together, not take a side, not take a side, not try to help somebody else get the federal recognition, not stand there. I mean, if you're going to go there and and you're going to say, well, I'm going to go down there and and try to provide peace and calm, but you're going to get put on security. I'm not even talking about, I don't even know anything about being armed security or anything else, but man, I'll tell you, it's disappointing. And that's why I have not done this on this show because I don't have a good story to tell. I have a much easier time talking about when it's us versus them. I have a much easier time when I, when I can say it's us against the state or us against the federal government or us against you know white supremacy or it's us against 
you know, um, the mascot issue or, you know, or environmental damage. Or, or Look, that's a much easier job for me to do. What's difficult for me is when I see wrong on all sides. And, you know, and, and, and maybe I carry a little bit of that wrong too because I've been, I've been hurt by this very thing, by, by this very kind of situation. My children have been impacted by that. So, so look, I'm not just an, um, uh, an unaffected bystander here. I've seen this play. I saw what Onondaga did to create the mess in Oneida. And, and Ray Halberter's rise to power and fame and fortune was born out of Onondaga, undermining a full council of condoled chiefs from the Oneida Nation. The only full council, the only council that was that was full, all nine titles filled and condoled, were the Oneidas. And yet Onondaga went to the Bureau of Indian Affairs to, to lobby for Ray Hall, Halberter to be federally recognized. That's how Ray got his power. That's how he built casinos and, and wealth. And then, and then, just like with Clint Halftown, Onondaga turns around and says, well, we don't recognize them anymore. So they tried to tell the Bureau of Indian Affairs, well, we don't want you to recognize them anymore because we don't recognize them anymore. It doesn't work that way. It didn't work out that way in Oneida, and it sure as hell isn't working out that way in Cayuga Territory. And there's a lot of people, and I'm not going to call them innocent people because anybody who tries to get involved in trying to fix any of these problems are forced to take a side. I, I did too. You know, and and why? While I still think that that what the things that I did were correct and proper and right, there there are plenty of people who still hold a great deal of. There's a lot of rumors and innuendo associated uh, with with you know my uh, my role in, in in what took place in Oneida. Even as more and more people got peeled off and disowned and labeled as as the bad folks, my children are are, are still paying the price. They're, my children are Oneida. I'm not. But all of this debacle continues out of Oneida, the mess that Onondaga. And I'm going to tell you, that Onondaga created. Ray Halberter played them like fools. Clinton Halftown played these guys like fools. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of people getting, going to get hurt in the, in, uh, in the process. So today, we're just waiting. You know, and you know, and when people say, "Well, you know, maybe we should use that process," you guys try to talk about. It's a little late for that now. It's going to be. We'll have to see. The guy with all the power right now is the guy who's got the interior department behind him, in spite of Joe Heath. But you know what? Onondaga still, uh, Sid Hill still won't call a grand council, and involve everybody. They still won't do it. We can still joke about the jar that sits at Onondaga filled with wampum requests for grand councils. There's a whole lot of them from the uh, from the Oneida debacle, and now they're still now they're they're still piling up from Cayuga. Now, that's my take on the situation, and there are those of you who may be listening to this show who don't agree with it. You may not agree with it but it's pretty accurate and we'll have to see how this plays out but I'll tell you our job here for those of us who aren't Cayuga our job should be to encourage people to come together and you know what at some level 
even let some of the stuff go in the past. Yeah, there was some wrong done. There was some, you know, there was some pocketing of dollars. There was some abuse of power. But disowning and, and, and trying to create the, the good list and the bad list, the, the good versus evil, and trying to make people pay for what what one side is going to call a crime and the other side is going to call a legitimate uh, you know challenge to authority. There needs to be a process. And you know what? It should not be the Interior Department that picks the winner here. The Cuyuga people should do it. So whether you agree with my assessment or not, the Cuyuga people should be the ones that are encouraged and and frankly, not just encouraged. We need to do more than encourage. We should be shaming some of the Cuga people to come out of the dust, come out of those ashes, and stand up. And I don't mean stand up to resist. I mean stand up to come together. That's my hope. I wish I could be more optimistic, but that's my hope. And that's our program. So I want to thank you for listening. Again, we'll be back here on Tuesday. Uh, I will have uh, Michelle Elise Burnett joining me to talk about more about the uh, Strawberry Moon Festival, and and maybe we'll have an update. Maybe we'll have an update on what's happening, whether you know whether police come in and drag people out of their houses, or whether or whatever happens. I don't know, but it it doesn't look good now, um, and I'm hoping you know better judgment will prevail. But we'll see. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm.